Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Vavil EFL podcast. This is the second championship edition. If you haven't checked out the first one or any of the episodes focusing on leagues one and two, feel free to check them out. For today's episode, we'll be discussing all of the current talking points surrounding the championship with the restart of the season just a few days away. So the championship returns on Saturday after three and a half months out. The obvious difference, as we know, will be that there's no crowd there. But also the EFL have confirmed uh, that they've changed the number of subs that can be allowed from three to five, as well as increasing the match day squad as well. Do you think that's something that will be necessary? Yeah, I think changing the substitutions from three to five is going to be really important for both uh, injuries and just keeping everyone playing as such and getting that match fitness back. So, and I think five substitutions could become a permanent fixture in the future should it go well. I think the EFL will look at it as possibly a trial period for it and just see how they can implement it going forward and just so clubs can make, just make use of the full squad and just see how they go from there. Yeah, I agree with Tom. I think it's a good it's a good thing to have in. I think what makes it slightly different as opposed to the Premier League who are also doing it is that in the Premier League there's a lot of teams who don't have a, who don't have much left to play for. Sorry, I should say. Um, so there's a lot of teams who aren't going to go down. They're not going to make the European spots. So they they can they can play some of these younger kids. They can use these games as a bit of a trial, I guess, to to prior to the transfer window to see what they need, what areas of the squad they're lacking. The thing with the Championship though is that everyone near enough everyone in the league has something to play for whether or not he's trying to push for that last play, uh, last playoff spot or avoid relegation there's only I'd say three or four teams in there who you think aren't going to go up and they aren't going to go down definitely so I think it's it's a strange one that they that they'll have the choice of five substitutions but I don't think it's I don't think any teams are really at a position where they can do what these Premier League teams will be able to do and use it to trial some of these new players heading into next season because a lot of teams have got a lot to play for and with that in mind, they're gonna they they're gonna want to win these games. They're not gonna want to go. Oh well, it doesn't matter if we draw this one or lose it. If we if we give give X Y and Z a game, so I think it's a good thing to have. I think it'll come in handy in terms of trying to avoid those injuries because a lot of players will obviously not be uh, won't be at the full fitness. They've not had a full pre season and they've had a couple of friendlies here and there. But yeah, I think it's it'll do them well in terms of avoiding injuries and stuff. But like I say, for in terms of winning games and putting your best side out there, it's a, it's a funny one. Yeah, no, I agree. I think probably the main reason why it's good for the championship is because of injuries and fitness. Because if you look at the fixture schedule after the first week, it's just constantly uh, like Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, isn't it? Till the end of the season. So I think that's important. I mean, do you then think that um, having, a, having a bigger squad is going to help certain teams and having that kind of quality and depth? Because with most teams I imagine most people in the squad are going to be used because even over the busy Christmas period you have like five games which is you know like Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for this is going to be like eight of those so the players haven't really done it for and they've not played for three months so do you think kind of the size of the squad and the quality and depth will be really important? Yeah I think obviously the sides that obviously have got that more of that strength in depth as such such as like Derby actually managed to spend some money over the years and I've really not really got rid of many players like we've got the likes of Florian Joseph soon who's not really played since October November but he could be an important fixture going into these last few games now whereas other clubs such as Luton haven't really got the funds or anything to go moving forward um, 
I think they're going to struggle a lot more than obviously the teams up there, such as West Brom, Leeds, etc. So I think it's definitely going to impact teams differently, and it's going to hurt the teams down there a lot more, especially those teams that came up last season. Yeah, I uh, I agree with Tom. I think I think what who it doesn't help is your teams like. And I know, obviously, you're, you're a big Preston fan yourself, Adam, but teams like Preston, who have had a really good season, given this squad and given the budget, but you, in terms of the depth in the squad, you've not got the, the biggest squad in terms of looking down past your starting level and your subs. You've not got an array of players who you, who you can bring up. So I think avoiding injuries is going to be the key for every team in terms of success. I think there's going to be a lot of luck involved um, with who does make those playoffs and who does avoid relegation in that... Teams are going to pick up injuries. It's it's going to happen, like I just alluded to earlier. Teams haven't had a full pre-season. They've had three and a half months off. And the strange thing about it is they've never really known at what point they're coming back until a couple of weeks ago. So they've not really been able to go, right, well, we know that we're returning in two months' time so I can begin my preparations now and I can get to this point by then and this point by then. They've had two weeks and they've gone, right, you're starting on this date, you need to be ready. So a lot of teams are going to pick up injuries and it will be massive in terms of them five substitutions, in terms of trying to to restrict the number of injuries um, that teams are picking up. I think it will be as soon as any player shows any sign that he might have a little a little um, niggle while he's on the pitch, then, um, then straight away they're going to be like, right, get him off, we'll get someone else on, we're not going to take any risks. But I do think a lot of it will be down to luck and down to those teams who do, who do get lucky and that they don't have players pick up injuries. Yeah, definitely, I agree. I think it'll be a massive factor, and I think... As you say about uh, with Preston, one of our worst parts of the season where we had a few bad results in a row was because we had a couple of our key players out. <laughs> the difference that makes is is quite big. So I'm hoping that we don't pick up many injuries. But I think, yeah, with every club utilising the whole squad would be very important. Something else I wanted to talk about was crowd noise, potentially. I, I think I'm right in saying all Premier League clubs will have the crowd noise. Um, I was looking into it and I think some championship clubs are looking at it but yeah. I think it's going to be kind of you know up to the individual club on whether they do it or not I was just wondering how much of a kind of difference you think it makes whilst you're watching it because for me I was watching a game in La Liga the other day which had it and I thought the difference from that to one of the first Bundesliga games that I watched without it like, I think it makes such a difference yeah I I agree with you I think I had this discussion on one of the on the Man City podcast I'm on the other day and it's like at this stage of the season in in any league in the world, in your likes of, of the Championship, even in the Premier League and in wherever, these games, these big games, your likes, if you look at this weekend, uh, you've got Cardiff and Leeds on Sunday. That fixture at this stage in the season would usually have at least 20,000 people there. You'd have a full away end. You'd have a lot of home fans there. And that would have been on TV, that, well, that is on TV, that would have had a great atmosphere, been on TV. And then now, obviously, there's no fans allowed. But these games do warrant those kinds of atmospheres. And I think as much as it's not actually there, I think for a lot of people, initially at the start of the game, you're like, oh, that's a bit strange. You can hear the crowd, but there's no crowd there. Yeah, it's a bit weird. But I don't know about you guys, but for me, after five or ten minutes, you just, you forget almost that the crowd isn't actually there. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's testament to how well they've done it in terms of it doesn't feel fake. It is fake, but it doesn't feel fake. For me, these these games should have those atmospheres, and if you can add that atmosphere in, in a, in a tinned crowd sense, then then I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's a, it's a worthy addition to uh, to the production of the league, to be honest. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Tom, to be fair. Uh, 
the Bundes, say with the Bundesliga as well, they've had it without the crowd and with the crowd. I definitely prefer it with the crowd. Like you say, you, after five, ten minutes, you don't even realise there's not actually a crowd there, but it still brings that sense of atmosphere to, to the room as such when you're watching it. Because that's what you want from these sort of games. You want to hear the crowd getting behind the teams, etc., etc. I just find it so much, just so much better, and so much more enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I agree. I think, as you say, this with the championship, there's so many big games, and for me, watching it without the crowd noise, it just kind of almost makes you feel like it's not important because you just associate it with kind of you know whatever friendly matches or whatever. So I think it just makes it with the occasion seem as big as it is really so I hope that all championship clubs have it I'm sure when the ones on Sky will will do it but I just don't know whether kind of the individual games on iFollow and all that stuff will have it but I don't know but I hope so and related to iFollow as well there's a lot of talking at the moment about refunds some championship clubs haven't offered their fans refunds for their season tickets for the, the last kind of four or five home games and I'm quite interested to hear what you think about this because my Preston is one of the teams that haven't offered the refund but when it was announced, kind of the majority of our fan base were kind of not really bothered about it. Um, we're getting all the games on iFollow for free. It, it didn't seem too much of an issue, but I know since I've seen other people talk about it on Twitter, a lot of people seem to think that it's kind of wrong of the club not to offer a refund. So I was wondering what you thought yeah, about that. I think the club, all clubs should definitely offer some sort of refund package. We, from my experience with Derby, we've got we had five different options so you kind of get the you get the choice of what happens to your money as such. I know you would say you, like with Preston, you get it on iFollow for free, but I don't think that should be an excuse from the club not to at least offer some sort of compensation package. Because at the end of the day, you're still not going to manage to go to the game, even though you you pay for your ticket. Yeah. So I don't think it's right of the clubs that haven't offered it to do that. But I guess different fan bases are different, so. It really, really depends on each club, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, again, it's a strange one. Like I say, I'm, I'm a Manchester City fan. I have a season ticket there, and and the club, obviously, a different, different league, different financial background altogether. But they did a, a similar thing to assume what Derby have done, in that you had the choice of having your money back, or you could have the money put as credit towards your season ticket for next season. Yeah. Um. So fans had the choice between those, uh. But I think. With the championship where it's different is that, obviously, in the Premier League, every club have got money. They've got enough money to be able to straight away go, yeah, we're, we've got the money, there you go, there's your money for your season ticket back. It's no issue for us refunding. For Man City, refunding 40,000 season tickets or whatever it is, is absolutely nothing. Whereas, if you move down to the championship and you look at a Preston or a Luton or a Charlton or a Barnsley, these sorts of clubs, they don't have that sort of money. And at this point in the season, to to have to then find X amount of pounds to refund all these season tickets is is probably not not well. It's not an ideal thing for anyone to have to refund any money. But looking at it on the other side, is that these fans are what keep the club going. And if you're not going to refund the fans the money for games that they're not getting access to, then why are they then going to want to put their money back into the club next season? Because you go, well, what if this happens again? I've not got three, four hundred quid to spend on a season ticket just for you to turn around halfway through the season and go, oh, sorry, it's not our fault, you can't have your money back. So it, it's, a, it's a really fine line between, obviously, the, cl- the clubs need to do what's best for them in terms of financially and to keep the club going and keep the club sustainable. But without the fans coming into the club and putting the money on the gates and on your pies and your tickets and your T-shirts at half-time, then 
You've, you're not going to have any money coming into a club and you're not going to have a club that's going to be able to compete at these Championship and Premier League levels. So it's a strange one. For me personally, I think all clubs should be offering refunds to the fans, regardless of if you can watch the game on TV. Because you don't pay for a season ticket to watch the game on TV. You pay for a season ticket to watch the game in the stands. But it's one of them. It's 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 been announced now by the clubs who are going to refund and who aren't. And it's one of them that... We could talk about it all day, and I don't think we'd ever come to a to a definite solution. So, yeah, but I, I agree in in that one thing that I think should be done, even if you're not going to say here's your refund, is that giving them a choice is it's probably the best way to go about it. Because if if we gave everyone a choice, a lot of people might not have done it because they'd be like, well, it's fine, you know. But also some would, and I know there's a lot of older fans who might kind of struggle to watch the game on I follow as well, which I don't think many people think about. But I think definitely. Giving giving people a choice would be the best way um, to go about it. Uh, one thing we talked about on the last podcast was obviously about the fact that players are being tested. They're being tested twice a week. The, the test results so far have been okay. There's one time, wasn't there, when there was, I think, 10 positive in the championship. But since then, it's dipped down a bit. I mean, any player that gets tested positive now is going to miss a game, well, at least one game, but with the, with the fixture schedule, possibly two um, or three. I was just wondering what you think about if, say, one player gets at a club and ends up passing it on to four or five players. How much of an issue do you think that could cause? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's gonna be a. It's one of them where I think we've got to wait until it happens, don't we? I mean, you had it with uh, Stoke was supposed to be playing United in a friendly last week, I think was it, and they got to the training ground and uh, and the manager had test uh, showed. Either, I can't remember if he showed signs of Corona or he tested positive. I can't remember what it was. But uh, but then obviously that game was straight away postponed and but that that's easy to do as a friendly you don't need to take that risk in a friendly but if you get into to the first second third game week of the championship and all of a sudden you've got two games that are being affected by t- uh, by teams with players that are suffering from coronavirus at what point at what point do the do what do you do at that point it's such a strange situation because. The league needs finishing, and the league is our next season is already going to be adversely affected in that teams aren't going to be able to get a full pre-season under their belts and aren't going to be able to do the transfer window like they usually would. But how how long can they afford for the league to keep going? Um, like if you've got games that are being postponed, or if a team turns up and two of the players test positive, do they just have to go right? Well, these two players can't play. You're going to have to make do with what you've got. But then if it happens to be, say you've got. Um, I can't even think of one off the top. I'd say Tom Kearney for Fulham or someone like this comes in and he's got it. And Fulham go, well, we don't want to play without a captain. We don't want to play without one of our most influential players. Then you get in this whole situation of where do you go from there? So it's it's one of them. I think what I'm hoping and I'm sure everyone's hoping it doesn't happen. We don't want to see anyone coming in with coronavirus or any of these games being affected. But I think it's hard to say what 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 you do until the situation actually arises. But I'm sure that the Championship and, and the higher powers behind the scenes have got plans in place for what they're going to do when that, if, if, if I should say, that situation does arise. Yeah, I think Tom's knocked the nail right on the head there. I don't think we're going to know what to do until until it happens, I guess. And I don't know what the league are going to do. But it, like I say, it could get messy. It could get to a stage where players are missing two to three games and then, like I say, Clubs don't want to play without the key, key players. So then you've got this schedule that they've all put in place, which then could get pushed back three to six weeks, possibly, to fit all these other games in. And it's not really 
something the league are going to want to do when they've got everything set out with the playoffs and everything. So, and moving on for next season as well, which obviously I think they want to get started by the middle of September. So it puts everything back on hold again. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, the kind of, as you've both said, the question is if, if one club, if a few players from one club are affected, do the EFL step in and actually do something? Um, and will that game be affected? Or is it just a case of you've got to just carry on? Um, because, I mean, obviously players get injured and all that stuff, but whether this will be seen as a different kind of issue, I'm, I'm not sure, but it'll de- definitely be um, interesting to see. And some clubs that will be without some of their players are Charlton, Hull and Middlesbrough. They've all had several players who have either refused to play despite being contracted to the club or ones that uh, haven't renewed their contract. We'll start off with Charlton because this was quite a big one. A few players, Davis and Solly, did the same thing, but I think everyone really has been talking about Lyle Taylor, who's refused to play again for the club, supposedly because he's got... um, a deal with a new club ready to go once the season's over. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? I I personally don't agree with the three players, but especially with Lyle Taylor, obviously it's been put to the spotlight a lot more because he's important for Charlton. He scored most of their goals and he's key for them staying up. So I think especially him not playing is really going to affect Lee Bowie and Charlton. And they've got a lot of issues going on as it is on top of this now. So I think it's, even though Taylor has got this uh, supposed deal with another club lined up, he's still contracted to Charlton Athletic. So I don't, I don't personally think he should be doing it. And I think if I was Charlton, I'd be saying to Taylor, "Look, we're not gonna you contract us, so you're either gonna play and we'll pay you, or you're not gonna play and we won't pay you." So I think that's the issue with this whole situation. Yeah, I agree with Tom. I, I. I've got very strong opinions on Lyle Taylor and the whole situation. I think it's it's disgusting in all honesty. You you contracted to a club, and for me, what how I look at it is that this this supposed club that he's got a deal set up with. I'm not sure who who the club is, how much truth is in in these claims. But if you were the owner of a club who's looking at bringing in Lyle Taylor and you see what he's doing at Charlton at the minute, is that the kind of player you want representing your club? You think about it. You've got you got a player who is a key player for Charlton, and he is. Potentially the difference between them staying up or going down, he's been one of the key players this season. His goals have been very important to the club and I think probably without Lyle Taylor, you'd be looking at Charlton potentially at the bottom of the league. They certainly wouldn't be on 39 points. And for him to turn around to the club that pays wages that he's contracted to and that, let's be honest, have given him this platform to go on and get this bigger move wherever it'll be too that he's talking about, for you to turn around to that club and go, you know what? screw you, I'm not playing for you, I'm going to sit on the bench, I'm going to potentially watch you get relegated, I'm not going to care about it one bit, and I'm going to move on in the summer to a new club, you can go and play in the chat in League One, and I'll go and play in wherever else, and that's me done. I can't, I, honestly, it, it baffles me to think that a player could do that to a club, and it baffles me to think that any club is going to want a player like that joining their club who's got an attitude like that, because for me, that is just completely out of order. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree with pretty much everything that's been said. Um, again, if if he's choosing not to play for the club, as he as you say, he shouldn't be paid because I mean, he's just literally not doing his job. But also, just the fact that, as you say, he's still contracted to the club. He knows in himself that him playing could be the difference between you know the club surviving. And so it just seems to be. I, I just don't. I just don't get it. I understand why he's done it, but I don't think it's a really good enough reason. For a club that have really given him the chance as well. You know, this is a guy that's come from quite kind of lower down as well. 
And even though I get that this means that, yeah, this might be the big break for him, but to just kind of ditch Charlton like that, you know, at such an important time of the season, I think is, is definitely wrong. Um, and But again, it's not just him either. You know, there's other players at Charlton, there's also players at, at Middlesbrough as well. So um, I think it's Ayala at Middlesbrough, who's quite a big player for them. So yeah, a lot of clubs are going to be suffering from that, I think definitely. But looking ahead to uh, some of this week's games, we're not going to preview all of them this week because it's a bit difficult at the moment to kind of assess where teams are at. Uh, but we can just quickly look at, at your team, Tom, Derby. You've got a pretty difficult game away at Millwall to start with, haven't you? Yeah. No, obviously both teams are going for those playoff places. There's only, I'd say, only a couple left. I think third and fourth pretty much wrapped up now. So it's aiming for fifth and sixth. But there's about eight or nine clubs that are still in with a chance of going for that. I think going to Millwall is never easy, but I think with not having fans there gives any team that goes there a lot better chance because it's not the hostile atmosphere that you usually get at the Den. So I think it's going to be a difficult game, but I think it'll be a very close one. It'll be a good indication of where both clubs are at coming back from, obviously, a two-month layoff. Yeah, but on that point, actually, do you think that you'll see quite a difference in kind of home, that home advantage just not really mattering anymore? Yeah, definitely. I think I think in the Bundesliga, there's only been a 23% win ratio for home teams. So I think it's going to obviously affect things. I don't think it's going to matter anymore. It's going to be a bit like um, a training, not a training game as such, but like with no no fans there. It's just going to be it's going to be a weird one for the players, I reckon. But like they say, players don't usually like players block out the crowd. They say, but how true that is. I guess we'll find out over the next weeks and we'll find I think this will show us who the actual the best football insides in the league are. Yeah, definitely. And one of them, uh Leeds, they start off away at Cardiff, which will not be an easy game with it, will it? I mean I think they've got Fulham coming up as well, Leeds. I mean, do you think that there's any chance they could bottle it again or do you think they'll do it? Yeah, I um I don't know, it's one of them. Leeds have <laughs> they've become somewhat synonymous with bottling air. Bottling, bottling promotion, should I say. I, I can't see them not going up from the position they're in, but I would have said the exact same thing too if you asked me this last season. So it's a strange one because I think it benefits them and then also hinders them in the fact that the way that the league is starting because it's going to take teams a few weeks to get going. And for any team to now come out of, out of this and string together uh, six or seven wins on the row, I think is highly unlikely. Um, so with that in mind, the fact that Leeds do have this this uh, seven point um, margin or seven point advantage, should I say, on Fulham, and then obviously you've then got like eleven on Brentford and Forest, and then fifteen on Preston, is uh, I can't see any team winning enough games consecutively, and equally I can't see Leeds losing that many games consecutively for anyone to overtake them. The same with West Brom. I think going to Cardiff is a really tricky game to begin with because it was. Cardiff, who um, came back from 3-0 down at Leeds earlier in the season, and um, and Leeds went on a bit of a bad run after that. So I think Leeds will want one over on Cardiff after that. I think I, d- I don't know how many times you could, I'd, I'd have to check it, but I don't think there'd be many times in the club's history that Leeds have let a three-goal lead slip at Elland Road. So And Cardiff, Cardiff were, uh, and weren't, in a, weren't in bad form themselves when the league ended. Um, they, they were playing some okay football and they'd, I think they beat West Brom uh, a couple of weeks prior to, or maybe, maybe a few more than a couple of weeks. But prior to lockdown ending, they'd beaten West Brom at the Cardiff City Stadium. I covered that one. And they looked good on that night. Um, so I think it's a very, that, that's a very um, exciting game, I think. I think that'll be, that'll be a good one to watch. 
And it's, let's say, um, speaking obviously figuratively, but let's say Cardiff do go and beat Leeds, and if Fulham do beat Brentford, then you've only all of a sudden that seven point gap turns to a four point gap, and yeah, the uh, the Leeds fans will uh, start having a bit of a bit of a memory swinging around their head last well. season. Yeah, exactly. So there, there there is plenty of opportunities there, and but I, I, if I'm being honest, I think that I just can't see anyone keeping up a high enough level of, of form and I can't see anyone winning enough games um, to to affect that top two. But, you know, uh, uh, stranger things have happened and, uh, yeah, I think... I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not got anything against Leeds, but it'd be it'd be nice to see uh, it'd be nice to see it get a bit competitive towards the end of the season. I think that's uh, that's the fairest way of putting it. I yeah, well, I agree with you there, Tom. I think Leeds Leeds looked good before the break, and with Marcelo Bielsa, obviously, you've got this so-called Bielsa burnout, as he, he teams usually get. They're known for. So I think this two month offset's been good good for them because obviously they've not not been working as hard as they would be. As, if they went all the way through. So I think they've had this layoff and now they've got nine games to go to just get it over the line as such. I think it's definitely helped Leeds more than most teams in the league just because of how hard they work like on the training ground and then in games. I just think it's just been perfect for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I agree with the point that you made as well, um, Tom, about kind of consistency and it will be, I, I doubt that a team will go on and win kind of four or five games in a row. Um, I do think that the start could be quite important, though, the first couple of games. I think just psychologically for a team like Leeds, if they were to lose that first game and suddenly it's, you know, four points and Fulham to play next, you know, I imagine the fans will start to panic a bit. But also with, with like, Preston, because if we go and... We've been in, in the top six for so long and now we've had this break. Obviously, we've been in sixth position the whole time. If we... We could quite easily not beat Luton and then we drop straight out of it. And so yeah. I think that the teams that get good results in the first couple of games... I think that'd be quite important psychologically. We will be reviewing all of these games next week. We haven't previewed them all this week because it's quite difficult to really say what's going to happen, isn't it? Because we don't really have anything to go off. But we will be back with another episode next week. We'll be able to look back at the first weekend's round of action and we'll also look ahead uh, to the next week's uh, round of action as well. Thank you all for listening once again and we'll see you next time.